0: Well, the touchy markets looked at the services PMI for the United States and it got them on edge a bit. Maybe it was the wages figure they didn't like. Do Did they think that there could be more coming from the Fed? Well, there might not be any more coming from the Bank of England. It was expected, but Andrew Bailey is giving hope that maybe that's it. And Australian GDP yesterday, soft, but with some worrying numbers amongst it all. And lots of trade numbers to look out for today as well. It's Thursday, the 7th of September, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, further falls in equities this morning in the United States, although they have retraced a little from their session lows. Finishing with the down 0.6% down, 0.7% off the S&P 500, 1% down for the NASDAQ. All sectors are in the red, but IT and consumer discretionary are faring the worst. In Europe, a 0.7% drop in the euro stocks, 50, not a great deal of move, uh, movement elsewhere. A small move up in the US dollar, a small move down for the Aussie dollar, just below 63.8 US cents. Not much movement in the euro. The pound, though, is down half a percent bond movement has been fairly subdued 10-year treasuries are up three basis points uh, back up to 4.3 percent german bunds up four basis points aussie 10 years down one basis point yesterday up uh, two on futures overnight to around 4.15 percent and oil is pushing higher this morning brent now well over the 90 dollar mark climbing 0.7 percent one percent up for wti so gavin friend is with us from nab in london let's start with the uh, us ism services numbers on that uh, that narrow path to a soft landing which has it just got narrower i mean the services ism came in higher than expected today up to 54.4 which is a six month high we've got growth in new orders all good but uh, prices are up so maybe the you know the prices component is something to be concerned about How's the market taken this uh,
1: it's a mixed picture good morning Phil I think I mean you're right to start with the elephant in the room which is this you know increasingly persistent signs of US economic resilience in fact it's not just resilience it looks like strength doesn't it now certainly rel- relative to uh, rel- relative to China and Europe um, I mean Wednesday's release of uh, the ISM? as you say um, you know uh, this is this is this is 80% percent of the US economy um, and it shows that um, not only is it expanding um, but the pace of that expansion has picked up, 54.5 uh, uh, from 52.7. Um, you know, this while non-manufacturing um, activity in China is is barely above 50. If you looked at the sort of China you know um small and medium businesses it's um it's it's in it's 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 flatlining and in europe it's uh, in outright contraction so the first the first observation i think is one is 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 the the thing that's reverberating through markets is the apparent stark differences in these large economies and we can you know we've talked before about some of the reasons for that
0: um is it it too much i mean that must be one of the questions i mean and and, or is it just temporary so a lot of it was the entertainment sector apparently so there's a bit of a barbie and oppenheimer effect in some of these numbers perhaps but also that i mean the worry is as i said the prices component because that's gone from 56.8 to 58.9 so if the economy is booming too fast we want to see things we want that gold Goldilocks result. This isn't uh, this isn't Goldilocks. This is this is eating out of the big bowl. Is yeah, they? and we should remember that the manufacturing numbers that we got a few days
1: ago also had an uptick in the prices paid, and that's the first time that those two have done that at the same time for for many many months. So so in, and that really plays to the sort of nascent narrative that's that some people are talking about that we're going to get an uptick in prices as we go through. Um, I think you know when you you, you you do have to caution at the numbers a little bit because this is the ISM. It's a big survey 54.5 if you looked at the uh, S and P PMI version, which is the one that we Very compare with story. Europe, it was fifty point five. So it's hardly expanding at all. And that was a fall. That was a fall to fifty point five as well. Actually it's actually going the other way. It's a deceleration. Yeah, it's still growing. It's still expanding, yeah. but it's but it's it, the pace is actually uh, is, is is actually slowing. You're you're correct. So I mean, just looking at the detail, right? So the 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 the, 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 the drivers of this rise today really came in employment gains. And also new orders, employment gains. Now, that's, you know, if we look at the evidence as we see in the JOLTS numbers, the NF, the the non farm payroll numbers, uh, the NFIB small business numbers, they are showing, albeit slowly. Uh, a slower pace of, of job creation. You know, the labour market is cooling and we know from the inflation side, the average earnings numbers are, are going in the right direction. Um, so, you know, we need to be uh, scratching our heads a little bit in terms of why does that employment number in the ISM come out to be so strong? Is that is that going to be uh, sustainable? Um, in terms of, um, you, know, you know, the Fed policy implications, I mean, we have heard from, you know, Jay Powell and, Jackson Hole, where he was talking about, you know, the sort of quite sizable um, you know, rises in real yields that we've seen in two year and 10 year real yields, sort of 250 basis points and 150 basis points, was showing if you look at, you know, that the Fed's message is actually getting through in terms of slowing industrial production, residential investment, those kinds of things. But the Fed was attentive to signs that the economy may not be cooling as expected citing things like gdp consumer spending housing all these things picking up again so and and he said then look if we if we if we if we get additional evidence that this is going to you know play fast and loose with us getting inflation down it could warrant further policy tightening i think at this point i just say i think at this point you know go back to what we said about you know core PCE running at 0.2 wage inflation coming down all those things will stand them in good stead and I think the markets you look at pricing they're still not seeing this report as a sign that the Fed is going to have to Lift rates again in September, barring some you know weird, surprising CPI
0: next well, I mean, week. It,
1: it, but what it might do is it, it, it is it might it might mean November, December if, if yeah, it continues. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, it, is it the start of something? In other words, uh, so the Fed beige book though was sort of like you know going the other way, wasn't it? It was very much on the soft landing path. So modest July and August growth, subdued jobs growth, decelerating wages growth, particularly in manufacturing and in consumer goods, uh, profit margins falling. They say travel is up a bit, but they they, they reckon a lot of that is pent-up demand uh, which could soon subside and you know I can you know based on the uh, the the the, uh, the the book of Dobby's friends uh, everyone I know at the moment is you know doing a catch-up holiday this year and just about everybody is saying they've been wiped out uh, financially from it but they had to go on holiday so I mean that idea that uh, there's a bit of a transitory thing going on in, in travel so but generally that beige book was saying yeah you know soft landing it's all growing but not a great deal
1: well and that's what you'd want to hear isn't it and I I think that's the warning about not taking one particular point, one particular report out of context and rely And the Fed won't do that. They'll be looking at things in the round. And we talked about wage, wage growth coming down, wages coming down. And I think, you know, that that's that's what they're looking for. So they're going to they're going to look at, uh, across a lot of these reports. Um and you know, before they uh before they yeah. pass judgment. It's all
0: the data. All on the data, of course. Now look Australia's GDP yesterday, a 0.4 percent rise in GDP in the June quarter, three point four percent in annual terms, which sounds good. Uh, but, you know, there was an 8.2% increase in public investment in infrastructure projects. That will have helped with that, like, you know, Brisbane uh, Cross River Rail, Snowy 2.0, all that sort of stuff, Sydney's new airport. If you look at it on a uh, per capita basis, I mean, GDP actually fell mm. 0.3%.
1: Yeah, I think 04 on the quarter, 2.1% on the year. It's pretty much where people have thought it would be. The details showed, as expected, sluggish con- consumption growth offset, as you say, a bit by government Uh, government investment and business business investment and government uh, spending on infrastructure, services exports also helped a bit. There was a two-tenth upgrade from uh, upward revision to Q1 growth. And so, you know, while the economy is broadly maintaining momentum, it is nonetheless slowing and and showing that the RBA's tightening of policy is working its way through slowing demand, Um, you know, and... um, it, it things are on a, a slow and even keel, if you
0: like. Mm, yeah, it was bad news for productivity, though, wasn't it? Because. Australians uh, worked almost 7% more hours than the same quarter a year ago, but with GDP per capita actually falling, their productivity is down. So 3.2% down is, in annual terms is what the ABS reckons. So that is not very good. But I guess the good news is wages, which may be up 0.9% for the quarter because uh, of those hours, worked actually uh, fell uh, 0.7% if you look at it on, a, on an hourly basis. look the Bank of Canada, uh, they kept rates on hold. Their statement was that they are in a peak period Of weaker growth, the jobs market is less tight, so steady she goes there. And maybe, steady she goes, at the Bank of England, because Andrew Bailey was in front of the UK's Treasury Committee telling MPs that, well, maybe interest rates won't need to go that much higher, if at all. In fact, uh, could they have peaked even? Yeah, I think he was, he was less equivocal than his
1: uh, chief economist colleague, Hugh Pill, who last week, remember, said that his preferred – you know, the, the, bank's got, the Bank of England's got two paths. It can push up rates. Uh, in line with the market curve uh, or the the previous market curve, and then bring them back down again to try and get head off inflation, get it down to two percent, or it can keep rates steady unchanged. And it models these two approaches every time it you know every quarter it, it, it runs through the through the spreadsheets. And actually, you know, the point that Pill was making was if you look at those both those two approaches, they come out with the same outcome in terms of getting inflation down to two percent at around about the same time. And he he said he fancied about a week ago when he made these comments he th- he felt that. But uh, the path of steady rates is, is, is his preferred measure. Andrew Bailey, his boss today, said we are now much nearer the top of the cycle. Not quite as equivocal, um, but he, you know, again, he stressed the point that the, 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 the committee expects to see still see a substantial uh, fall in inflation, um, and the, the you know the 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 the, the, the big hit from the uh, the lagged effect from rate rises so far is still to come. Um, he was, you know, giving testimony to Parliament alongside some of his colleagues, one of which is Swati Ding- Dingra, the, the dove, who has voted, you know, to, uh, to keep rates where they are for the last two or three meetings. And she was making the point that um, it, the policy is already sufficiently restrictive, domestic act- activity is weak, and there is the risk of over-tightening. And we're hearing more and more Sounds of those, uh, you know, uh, Andy Haldane, the the former chief economist, was making the same comments earlier this week. the The, the tide does seem to be turning. The, the bank, in aggregate, is making comments that suggest, mm, yeah, and, and that's why we think going into the meeting at the end of September, you know, markets are saying they probably will hike again to five and a half, but they may not. I think our view is actually they probably won't, but they might. I mean, again, it's dancing on the head of the pin. You know, it's a line ball call, right? The point is... Yeah if it's not for five and a quarter it's five and a half is the peak and you know a time to pause and, and reflect yeah
0: well I mean yeah because the slowdown is definitely happening I mean the British Chamber of Cham- Chambers of Commerce they gave their figures their predictions and they said you know the, basically the UK economy is going to flatline for uh, for the next two quarters that means they're going to get 0.4% growth overall this year 0.3% growth next year 0.7% growth the year after that so that's not a recession they say you know probably avoid a recession but I mean that's a, that's a close to a recession as you can get. I mean, that is a long period. That's basically three years of stagnation, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's It's not It's not going to be pretty and, um, of course...
0: Can't you imagine inflation when you're get getting numbers down that low?
1: Yeah, the one thing that we do need to remember is, of course, there's an
0: election in the middle of that period, so it probably won't be like that at all because um, mm. stuff and things will happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's politics, isn't it? So, look, uh, Australia's trade numbers today, they were falling in June for both exports and imports, so if consumption is slowing, then I imagine that's not going to change too much, but the Aussie dollar is probably going to respond more to the trade figures that we get from China today. So uh, we had a big fall in imports and exports last time. Exports were down 14.5%. Imports were down 12.4% year on year. So given how responsive the Aussie dollar has been to any bit of China news lately, I mean, we are going to see a response to this, aren't we?
1: Well, we should do. I mean, we know the backstory, that that things are weakening and and to your point, it was the import decline last month uh, for the month of July that really caught the market's attention and it was more than double what uh, the consensus estimate. And so that just really underscores uh, weakness in domestic demand, um, and if you think about, you know what's going on in the Chinese economy at the moment, the uncertainty over the property situation. Um, we've got inflation following PPI down into deflation now. That that print is coming up for August next week or over the weekend, and if it continues in the in the way that it has, you know why would people want to buy when things are going to be cheaper tomorrow? So the P- so we'll be looking markets will be looking out for whether there was any 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 rebound there in the import side um, and then on the export side, the weakness that we saw there really just reflects uh, weaker production. So, I mean, the winner out of this was uh, a slight a slight increase in the trade surplus simply because because imports fell so much far harder than exports. Um, but that's not a positive
0: story, is it? So, No. Um, well, well, we'll see what you know, it brings today, I guess.
1: <clears throat> it, it is the reverber to your point, it's the reverberations of what this means for China through uh, the global economy and through important trading partners such as Australia in New Zealand yeah, that absolutely. matters. And
0: let's not forget, Governor Lowe's goodbye speech today, some final remarks in... Uh, that. Well, actually, some final remarks is the title of his speech at lunchtime uh, today at the Annika Foundation. Last year... I mean, he always has something to say. Last year, he admitted that he'd made a mistake in starting to, you know, too late on rate rises. The year before... He was saying at this same address, a rate rise was not expected before 2024. Uh, so he always has something to say at these events. Uh, he may not always be right, but he has something to say. So it's going to be interesting to see what he has well, to say today.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure it's going to be a very reflective speech. You know, he's a deep thinker. It'll be bigger picture, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll celebrate things like full employment and things like that, you know. Um, but, but 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 it probably won't give us much in
0: terms of where policy is going. Well, less of his concern now. He can take a long holiday, can't he? Or learn how to fly a plane. That's a good idea, isn't it? Uh, that's it for today. Thanks, Gavin. Is, Phil. And two episodes of The Morning Call tomorrow. We've got the Friday morning edition. Then tomorrow afternoon, the weekend edition, when we look at Australia's road to net zero, where the question is, if we are just focused on meeting net zero targets, are we missing an opportunity? Because net zero alone means a net fall in exports. And how do we stop that? that happening. That is uh, the weekend edition tomorrow afternoon, but I'll be back tomorrow morning for our regular edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.